welcome to another exciting, intriguing, disturbing, you'll have to find out, episode of the Gobeski Wallace Report. I am Adam Gobeski. But I want to know now. I am uh, Charlie Wallace, and today we welcome three guests home to the podcast. We've got Doug Gobeski. Uh, hi. Paul Wilcox. It feels good to have come home for this podcast. And Tony Huff. Thanks for having me. And we are here to discuss the 58th installment of the Merry Marvel Movie March. I hope you enjoyed all the time we've spent catching up because this is the last one before the the inevitable MCU singularity resumes its inexorable march towards death. Heat death of the universe. Yeah, because Black Widow's out after this comes out. Great job, team. Uh, Anyway, we're talking about the July 2017 movie Spider-Man Homecoming, which is the story of one Dennis Spider-Man who decides he would like to arrange the homecoming dance for his school, which is the Gary Busey-ness School of Busey-ness. And he therefore decides to have a raffle and a silent auction and... He tries to do a dance, but Kevin Bacon comes in and says, I've learned the error of my ways, no more dances. And then the movie's over. (laughs) Wait, who won the raffle? They never get that far. You have to wait for the sequel, I guess. So I didn't miss anything by sleeping through the ending, is what I'm hearing. Okay. So, yeah, that's the movie I saw, right, Charlie? As usual, I feel comfortable on the podcast revealing myself to be a complete idiot, but... I, this is the first time when you mentioned that that I even thought like, oh yeah, that's what the title is about. Like there was a homecoming dance. <laughs> no, I <laughs> didn't even register <laughs> at the homecoming dance. I was like, oh, like it wasn't till they got there. Really? It wasn't the it wasn't the several banners that you see throughout the entire movie. <laughs> Where no. it's like it just it just it's like it like. <laughs> It zooms in on homecoming and you're like oh they do it like literally three times before <laughs> the <know>. dance <laughs> so it's like so just in case you don't know this is uh this is about homecoming <laughs> and it's yeah. barely barely about that yep after the dance uh, they even have them taking down the banners yeah <laughs> show's over folks <laughs> go home charlie the actual synopsis we've got Tom Holland is Peter Parker, who is fresh off of Captain America's Civil War. He's been part of the Avengers and wants to keep fighting with them, but Tony Stark isn't giving him anything to do. And meanwhile, uh, New York City has a new weapons dealer played by Michael Keaton, who is the Vulture. And so it's up to Spider-Man to stop him without help from the Avengers. Or will he get help? The answer is some. He gets some help. Kind of. Kind of. From Tony. Kind of. Not from me, from Tony Stark. <laughs> Tony Stark. Just, just in case the listeners were well, thinking that maybe I was aiding uh, Spider-Man. Uh, no. <laughs> Firmly against aiding yeah. Spider-Man. It kind of seems illegal, the things that he does. He is a vigilante. <laughs> He's know? a menace. He, he kind of, I mean, I was just thinking of just, just the destruction that he causes. Like he, he, that he actually caused from trying to stop these crimes. There's no J. Jonah Jameson in this one. I didn't think about that till now either. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Got to have Tony. Yeah, you don't even get the voice of reason in this one. <laughs> so as you may or may not have noticed, 
Spider-Man is not played by Andrew Garfield in this movie. Obviously, Spider-Man 2 didn't do so well at the box office. Actually, I think it did okay, just not great. And obviously, critically, it was pretty well panned. But the impression I got kind of just reading through some of the behind the scenes is less that Sony was like, well, this is a failure. Let's just give up and start over. And more that Marvel kind of saw an opportunity to go, hey, maybe Sony would be willing to get some of that sweet MCU money. And so Marvel approached Sony with an idea of like uh, Spider-Man becoming part of their slate of movies. Sony countered with a deal that said, well, we would keep control of the films. And Marvel initially said, well, now forget it. Um, If you remember the big Sony Pictures leak from like 2014 or so, you may remember some of that stuff was in there. If you're really into like insider Hollywood gossip. So if you're not Charlie, you may not remember. (laughs) But I guess at some point Marvel changed their mind and said, yeah, okay, we're cool with that. And so it's less that the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies were deliberately dropped and more just that these took precedence and they wanted to start over with a new Spider-Man. And so we get Tom Holland instead. So had you seen the movie before? I had seen it before. I saw it in theaters. I saw it when we bought the Blu-ray. And I watched it again the other day. Maybe once in addition to that. Not sure. But at least that many times. I had not seen this movie before. I remember at the time. Well, I guess first when Captain America Civil War came out. But especially when this came out being like, why do we have another Spider-Man? And since then, of course, I've come to terms with it and kind of realized yeah, just bring on more Spider-Man. That's fine. Why am I complaining about more movies? Yeah, saw this one in theaters way back when it came out originally and hadn't rewatched it until a couple days ago. It was actually the last movie. Well, sorry. It was actually the last Marvel movie that I saw in Idaho. End of an era. What was the last movie you saw in Idaho? I'm not sure. It might still be this one. <laughs> okay. I'd have to. I'd have to go back and check. What movies came out at that time? Ragnarok. No, that was November. I was post his move. Because oh. he moved. I remember him telling a story. He moved around the big eclipse. No, oh. I'm not an authority on movies, so I don't know why I even said anything. <laughs> well, you could've, said something so that you could explain if you had seen the movie before. <laughs> you, uh, know, you don't have to be an authority to talk on this podcast. I, yeah, we have definitely. <laughs> or to talk authoritatively. Yeah. <laughs> on any podcast. We've definitely uh, uh, established that, huh? <laughs> um, but to answer your question, Doug, um, no, I had not seen this movie ever. I do enjoy Tom Holland as Spider-Man, and since we started doing the podcast, I chose a couple of movies that I was going to wait until we got to, and this just so happened to be one of them. Is the fact that it's not on Disney Plus a factor in that? That may be the biggest factor (laughs) of them all. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a very easy decision to say, you know what, I'll just wait until the podcast. (laughs) This is also my first time seeing Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, I remember when it came out, but I just, I don't think I didn't get out to it for some reason. And uh, then on uh, a few days ago, Adam hipped me to this killer Blu-ray steelbook deal at Best Buy. So I got Homecoming, Far From Home, Into the Spider-Verse, and Venom. All for under 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah, it was a great deal. (laughs) That's why they call it the steelbook, yeah. Um, Oh! (laughs) Uh, so yeah, 
I thought you were going to tell the story about when you bought or picked up the steelbook. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> so when I did go in for store pickup on this, the guy, uh, when he comes walking out from the back room holding on to it, he's like, oh, they made you get Venom, too, with this, huh? <laughs> uh, and I wanted to defend Venom, but having never seen that, I, I uh, couldn't speak authoritatively on it. <laughs> And you weren't on and a so, podcast. Yeah, so. Since I wasn't on a podcast, I thought I'd cut the guy some slack. You <laughs> should have argued with him saying, I'm just trying to create content. <laughs> <laughs> Real life content. I'm Conflict IRL streaming right listeners. now. Can't you tell by the GoPro on my shoulder? <laughs> so... I guess, yeah, let's just start briefly by talking about the title, because it definitely feels like one of those titles that has a double meaning to it, in that uh, not only is it does it take place during the Homecoming dance, but also Spider-Man has returned to the main, the now, main Marvel movies. So, oh, like it's a meta? <laughs> it's yeah. a meta title? <laughs> I wonder if anyone else had kind of thought that, or if that's just me. I, I did not. That didn't occur to me. Honestly, kind of upset hearing that. Sorry. Because it worked <laughs> so well. Like, uh, come, back to, come back into the MCU. We'll get you eventually, Spider-Man, says Disney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even though this I was keep, a Sony movie, right? <laughs> I keep trying to get out, and they keep pulling me back in. Well, I guess it could be three things, Adam, because he decides to go home after being offered to join the Avengers. Oh. Yeah, whereas you could have been fooled into thinking he was going home to the Avengers. Exactly, it's kind of what I thought yeah. it was going to be. Mm. So many layers. Mm. I thought it was Spider-Man just home going. He, he'd, <laughs> gone to, he'd gone to Germany to uh, fight a giant man and came back and uh, now he, you know, was home. I was I was, I kept waiting for the song the I'm coming home I'm coming home <laughs> I was waiting for that song to play feels like a really big missed opportunity <laughs> they really really should have played uh, Ozzy Osbourne's Mama I'm coming home during that whole uh, that whole montage where he's like getting his teenage life back <laughs> I wish now I wish Ozzy Osbourne would have just been exclusive <laughs> the whole soundtrack did this whole crazy soundtrack. train <laughs> that's amazing Paul I forgot how much I really like Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> <laughs> you can go days without thinking about him and then then you're like oh, how'd i do that so i will say though that after the first first opening scene which we will circle back to but i really liked the the more or less opening of the movie with um peter's home cell phone videos of his trip to germany and all that i thought that was actually i thought they did a really nice job of setting the tone of the movie and let you know that oh this is going to be a fun movie. Yeah, I I definitely enjoyed that. Like it was it was a nice way of like getting a lot of like exposition out of the way, you know, without actually like kind of like like doing a full on like recap and just like having like oh so I was here, you know, like you kind kind of like live through it in like chunks, you know. I, I thought that was cool. Yeah, I was just immediately wondering like what is he filming on <laughs> with that aspect. <laughs> I was expecting it to be like, yeah, the vertical uh, phone like ratio. And I'm like, ah. No, Peter Parker is not a monster. 
<laughs> you know, if you turn that phone 90 degrees, this ain't TikTok. <laughs> He's smart. He understands. Yeah, I mean, he's he's gonna be a photographer, right? <laughs> we we just don't know that yet. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's already showing his prowess. At... Oh, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers that may not happen. <laughs> spoilers for bots. <laughs> I haven't seen uh, the other ones yet. I haven't so. seen the other. Yeah, Spider Man. <laughs> the the Spiders Man. The Spiders Man. <laughs> Spiders Man. Yeah. <laughs> But I appreciated that this is a, that the tone of this movie that they set out starting with that sort of sequence is like this is going to be a fun movie and it feels like they do a good job of maintaining that tone throughout the movie. Like I never really got the sense that it was like really uneven, even during like the more like serious or dramatic moments. Like it all felt like it worked for me. Yeah, I think part of that, too, is the casting of Michael Keaton as the villain, who has incredible range, right? Oh, yeah. Like, can be super funny, like, really, really scary. Like, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm going forward, you know, a little bit when he has the talk. But, I mean, I think that he, he was just so, like, he's just such a, a great uh uh, actor and like they're able to establish like you said adam in the beginning very early just this like kind of good-natured like is this going to be like a fun entertaining movie and you're so on michael keaton's side at first too i know what do you mean at first <laughs> <laughs> the whole time the whole yes. time I, the I vulture did nothing wrong all right so let's talk a little bit about that opening opening scene then where it's like the immediate aftermath of the Avengers and Michael Keaton becomes yet another person who Tony Stark turns into a villain. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Doug wants to say that, because I know he likes making that point. I mean, yes, but I'm also going to make the point that uh, we see Peter Parker turn into Tony Stark in this movie. So, you know. Ooh, elaborate. Like, like well... I'm just I'm going to come out and say that this is a very odd movie in that it is extremely fun and extremely entertaining and the underlying themes are utterly demonic. We you know we see this small businessman, he's got a crew, he's got, you know, a wife and a daughter, he, you know, he's got a contract. He bought trucks for this job and in swoops Tony Stark's people to just take that fork out of his hand and bite down on that morsel of food themselves what do you you know what are you gonna do you you've been handed a raw deal you have to make the best of it and well making the best of it involves taking all of the cool alien tech that you're supposed to give back but you haven't yet mixing it with you know human tech to you know interface with it and just making some really cool stuff you know, to to sell to people. It, it's it's basically the maker movement, right? If by people you mean weapons to criminals. <laughs> I was going to say, I yeah. I'm not really on your maker side movement right now. As no, 3D, no, hold like on. 3D printed gun. Yeah. Well, so supposedly he's a bad guy because he's selling to quote unquote criminals. Spider-Man's like, oh, you know, all these, all these evil guns, you know, out on the streets. And it's like, dude, the only danger here is because of you. Spider-Man is a menace. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Why? This is a great hot take, but I think I want a little bit more. Okay. So, you know, he also, comes across. Let's, let's not paint Adrian as like this saint 
who just got a raw deal. I mean, wasn't he just he was stealing this this alien stuff for eight years prior and making out like crazy stealing. I'm sorry, stealing the stuff that literally fell from the sky. Well, the first set. I don't really go with those property rights. Wow. Finders oh, keep. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that Doug was a sovereign citizen. There's <laughs> <laughs> yep. a fringe on that flag. You have no authority here. So, you know, first time he comes, first time he you know, tangles with these guys, they're trying to sell a, you know, some sort of fancy gun to Donald Glover. Who is a criminal. Theoretically. I mean, as much as I like Logan Marshall Green, he isn't the best guy here. You know, he, he kind of does cause some trouble. Wait, I thought it was Tom Hardy. Does Doug engage or does he just move on? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We're all waiting. Yeah, we're going to get tired of this. <laughs> I legit thought it was Tom Hardy when Adam said Tom Hardy when we were watching it. And I've thought that ever since. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so I can't, I can't help you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. We get to the ATM robbery, right? And so they've got like an anti-gravity gun and some kind of big fancy cutter, you know, knocking over ATMs. It's basically a victimless crime. Spider-Man gets involved. And up to this point, these guys had been selling weapons for eight years. Eight years. And they didn't end up on anybody's radar. Cops didn't notice or care. Avengers didn't notice or care. Nothing. Spider-Man gets involved. Is it established that they demolishes. were selling them? I think you'd have to believe that given the you saw house. Happen. Yeah, the house that he lives yeah. in. Okay. I just, yeah. I mean, R&D on this stuff could take a while. It, I, I don't know if we're saying that they were selling them for eight solid years. Maybe six? I mean, there's got to be a spin-up period. No, no, no. You, you saw, that. yeah, but they showed you right immediately when they were supposed to give back the alien tech that the Mason, you know, he was, you know, already making cool stuff happen with it. Okay, so he was already an alien weapon. Yeah, like a, like a little drone or something. And right, already it. had been an expert by the time he... Yep. Okay, yep. Yeah, maybe we should take this moment just to mention in passing that lots of the secondary villains are actual Spider-Man villains. Oh. So yeah, remind me who Mason is. He's the tinkerer. Uh, that's his thing, is he can do like stuff with tech and stuff he's really good at that is that the person who creates the the high altitude yeah, suction he, yep, that guy yep, that's okay. that guy logan marshall green is the shocker and then um his follow-up guy uh bokeem woodbine that's who it is yes um he's the what second he shocker uh, i looked it up it's not i mean it's some stuff but and then uh mac gargan the guy who is uh doing the deal with Vulture's crew on the ferry. And he's the one who gets hit by a car and then at the end of the movie talks to him in prison. That's the scorpion. That's why he's got that scorpion tattoo. Oh. So there's lots of like little like nods for the comic book fans, I think. So Spider-Man gets involved and bam, Mr. Delmar's deli just annihilated. So much for his livelihood, you know. That's okay. why you get the insurance. Yeah, he's got good insurance. Yeah, he's insured. Oh, okay. You know, Spider-Man, uh, you know, webs that guy to his car when he's just trying to get back into his car. Cause he locked his keys in there. Kind of a, not a very friendly neighborhood Spider-Man there. All right. So I, I, All I, right, buy no, no, your, I got no, more. No, 
No, no. I buy your basic premise that Spider-Man isn't necessarily the hero that we want him to be, but I'm not sure how that makes him Tony Stark. He tells Happy Hogan about these guys who, you know, tells Tony Stark, or maybe Tony Stark, you know, just listened directly. And so Tony Stark sets up, what, an FBI sting on a ferry? Mm-hmm. And uh, Spider-Man gets involved again and, you know, ends up getting the whole ferry cut in half. I would like to point out this is because Tony Stark is too arrogant to even say, okay, we'll take care of this. Lots of lack of communication in this movie. Yeah, that's the real monster here. Peter Parker is to alien-powered criminals as Tony Stark is to Ultron. Uh, I don't know if that's true, given that the Vulture would continue doing the villainy stuff. But there's Whether no he... victims to the Vulture's villainy. That's the key. No, there's no victims you know about. Do you think that he vets all of the criminals he sells to so he knows that they won't commit violent (laughs) crimes? Are you telling me (laughs) you don't trust Donald Glover? Oh, right. Donald Glover plays Aaron Davis, who is the Prowler also. That's another Marvel character or a Spider-Man villain. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to interject so, that. <laughs> I, I think the, you know, it's like the movie doesn't do the crimes it chose to show that happened to be the ones that Spider-Man attempted to stop were all property crimes. Yeah. And right? I, re- I recall noticing right? that at the time, but I also remember thinking, I'm certain that there are other victims due to the widespread but uh, there are. I mean, sure. And the cops would care if there were. They would be on, you know, the Avengers radar if there were. This is a real. Uh, this is a real Gramsci argument of just property <laughs> theft. Now, now that Doug's mentioning it, though, I mean, that is the type of technology they're selling. It's like, oh, here's something that allows you to phase through matter. Like, here's something that cuts through steel, so that you can steal stuff without having to, you know, take someone out necessarily. Yeah, you don't have to rob a bank in daylight hours and, you know, kill people. You don't have to pull a point break. I just watched that movie recently. Yeah, you got the masks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I mean, isn't isn't Spider-Man being a monster by being an overzealous neighborhood Spider-Man kind of the point of the movie to some extent? I agree with that too, yeah. I just want to point out that at this point, Brienne has presumably said oh f- you doug to the podcast she's listening to the finished version of this like three times already oh yeah sure <laughs> okay okay here's here's another point what was damage control doing with all of this alien tech they were putting it in a warehouse an unmanned empty warehouse they weren't doing anything useful with it i was and upset with you the see the security. cool cool stuff that just one dude and you know one fancy tech guy and a crew of uh, criminals are able to put together we could solve climate change with this stuff they're not even trying i mean you're making a big assumption that just because it was in a massive warehouse doesn't mean you know like did you want them to drive it straight to the lab like here's here's where the shipping containers go no logistics (laughs) here you know you saw how many three tons of debris that thing was just there to Doug, collect dust, Doug, like you're Indiana de- Jones. 
Doug, you're demanding a lot of efficiency from the government. <laughs> <laughs> That's all ha- that has to no be. No warehouses. Only yeah. just-in-time alien tech delivery. Yeah. <laughs> that has to be inventoried. It has to be received. <laughs> they need yeah. a work order to even touch it. I mean... <laughs> Especially the, uh, I guess, 2020 government? Mm-hmm. Well, because they said it's eight years after the Avengers. Right, I think so. Wasn't that the love yeah. option eight years eight later? Years. Yep. Eight yeah, years, which would yeah. put it in 2020. Which, by the way, uh, if you ever want to do a deep dive into something minute and pointless, uh, the continuity of the MCU apparently this movie breaks it pretty severely. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So, so yeah, look at it from Liz's standpoint. You know, you've you've got a nice house, uh, a loving father and mother, captain of the. Uh, academic decathlon right you're organizing homecoming cute boy asks you out and he basically stands you up ruins your father's business and now you have to move to oregon well she doesn't know he ruined the business that's every girl's dream (laughs) and i would like to point out that the oh sure spider-man saves her life she wouldn't have even been in danger if Spider-Man hadn't gone after the criminals and picked up the weird purple crystal egg thing and you know gave it to Ned. Oh, so you're saying alien tech should be better controlled. <laughs> yes, I'm saying that it was perfectly fine until Spider-Man got involved. Okay. He's a menace. Okay. He's a chaos agent. I... I think I'm done. Yeah, I I appreciate this argument. I don't think I necessarily want to keep going down this road. Uh, I think I'd rather actually talk about the movie they gave us. <laughs> it is a movie they gave yeah. us. So I will agree with Doug via what Paul said, which is that, yeah, I mean, there is the fact in there that Peter Parker thinks he should have full access to his powers or that he's mastered them and he has not. And that causes a lot of problems to property. And, you know, a lot of reasons to properties to keep the movie fun. You start putting yeah, people in real danger and then it gets a little bit heavier, which I actually appreciated. It's like, you didn't really feel like anyone was going to die in this movie and they didn't. Yeah. There's only one confirmed kill, right? And who was that even? Shocker. Oh, oh that's right. Reed. Yeah, that's right. Jeez. He v- vaporized beyond. I guess that was on screen, wasn't it? <laughs> that was a workplace yeah. accident. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That wasn't on purpose. Time to hit him with the gravity gun. I didn't believe that. That I believe it, that was like misdirection. Like that was like, oh, it's not that. Ah, I, like okay, okay. I, I got, I got one it. more. I got one more. He had already gone so evil at that point. We didn't get to see Uncle Ben get murdered or tell Peter that with great power comes great responsibility, and that's why he isn't very responsible. All right, we should talk about that, but not in that bizarre perspective <laughs> like like Doug that was a good point <laughs> and then you twisted it <sighs> property crimes make for better popcorn flicks than showing alien tech being used as tools for domestic violence or something yeah. wait wait which I'm sure even, they were how would you even do that I'm threatening your I, I don't <laughs> like use a shocker glove to you know send somebody through a wall there's all kinds of bad things that I'm sure were being done with these, this alien tech. They just don't show it. You just have to use your imagination. Kind of it's not that That's kind of basically movie. what you're doing, Doug. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is this the first 
introduction of Spider-Man that we've seen so far that doesn't have Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben's death. The first, like, it's not origin story. What do you mean? Uncle Ben's death is in this. Where? He mentions that he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Whole new layers. There's a little bit of an age gap there that stretches believability. Yeah, this is the first time we don't directly see Uncle Ben's death. We don't get any flashbacks or anything like that, which I actually kind of liked. We actually don't get origin much at all. In fact, it's just referenced briefly as he's talking to his friend that he right, got bit yeah, by a radioactive spider. Yeah. Yeah. Which I appreciated that too, especially because the last, I mean, both of the movies said, you know, we're pretty recent. So I assume. Most of the people going to see this movie are at least generally familiar with the st- the origin story. So yeah, I appreciated that. Yeah, I did too. And it kind of leaves room for Tony Stark too. Like he's going to be the father figure in this movie. And so to also have Uncle Ben in there probably be a bit crowded. And we'll I was going to say, how, how else uh, would it be uh, okay for Tony Stark Whoa. to sexually harass Aunt May? <laughs> <laughs> You know, if she's still married, then you're kind of like, oh, come on. But since Uncle Ben's out of the picture, it's like, yeah, all right, yeah, good job. We'll link some fan art in the blog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> Find out later that uh, Tony Stark arranged Uncle Ben's murder or is inadvertently responsible for it. I mean, there is that fan theory that Peter's parents get killed in the Iron Man 2 expo. Oof. It's not a great theory, but it does exist. Uh should we talk about Tom Holland, just his performance? Like, how do you guys think he did as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man? Great. I I really like his portrayal. I think he's really funny. And I think he plays the the nervous Nelly really well. And it's funny and believable. Yeah, this is definitely the first Peter Parker that we've seen who actually feels like a high schooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really appreciated that it focused so much like on the high school experience right that it wasn't like it's sam raimi spider-man's where he graduates like partway through the movie or the andrew garfield ones where it never feels like he's actually in high school <laughs> wait he was in high school in those <laughs> yeah, he wasn't the, the teacher school, at the right? high yeah. school <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> there's a big lizard fight in the school right <laughs> I think I've played too much uh, of the the video game. Oh my gosh! Old old man Spider Man, <laughs> old, yeah. old man like twenty four year old Spider Man or whatever. Yeah, Paul and I were commenting during the movie how much we were like, like those early scenes where he's like swinging around helping people and occasionally not helping people. But Paul and I were like, this really makes us feel like we want to play the PS four Spider Man game. <laughs> <laughs> got real strong vibes yeah there's just so much in these movies that just feel like a video game and uh well except the video game came afterwards so maybe oh, that's a maybe I, that's a testament to the video game capturing yeah. the feel of the movies i could see there yeah being some very direct inspiration there the the thing i thought was like the video game the most was when he was trying to bring the the boat back together all the webs, you know, like that oh, kind of looked like something would be in a video game. There are some elements in this movie, not to go into like spoiler territory, that are reminiscent of uh, the sequel as well. Miles Morales. Yeah. Um, nice. So look forward to that. 
Yeah, they even gave him a 98% efficiency rating on his job of putting the boat back together. Ah, that's, but you hate those challenges where you have to 100% it to get the trophy. <laughs> that, was, that was my favorite part. <laughs> he was so upset with the 98%. Well, because it was ineffective. Yeah, it was a fail. Although I like the I guy think... who's like, yeah, Spider-Man. And then I know, I was going to say. he's like, yeah, thing. Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, just... though, is... It's just a it's just a declaration and not a lot of people are really like, yeah, you know, like a little bit, but you'd expect a little bit more. <laughs> there was there's definitely no uh, no carrying the wounded Spider-Man moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, on the subway. <laughs> wasn't that level of. Uh... Yeah, it's not so messianic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like that Tom Holland plays it younger. And that it actually feels like a high school student. And I also liked how he seemed a little bit more quippy than the previous Spider-Mans. Which, I mean, partly I guess that's an MCU trademark at this point in the march. You know, quips are kind of the thing. But that's also Spider-Man's thing. Is You know, he banters with the villains and stuff. Kind of cover up his nervousness or whatever. And so I appreciate that they leaned into that a bit in this. I also liked how he seems to do well at the school that he's at. Like, I mean, there's Flash notwithstanding, like it doesn't feel like he's some huge outcast who people just don't like at all or shunning because he's a nerd. So it was kind of nice to not have that hanging over his head, too. Although, you know, like I said, you know, there is Flash, of course. Yeah, I wonder if part of that's just because the culture's kind of moved on since 1962. Exactly. On. Yeah. It's like you genuinely believe that Peter and Ned are they're like pretty believable, nerdy high school kids. Yeah, and, and Ned the, does have the line about like how at the party when Peter doesn't show up, he's like, you know, you know, we're still losers or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you know, they do get into it a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not as uh, oppressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's like this, Liz. Yeah, Liz. the girl he likes. Yeah, the girl yeah. he likes. It's like it does also. Yeah, does definitely kind of speak to a cultural change that it's like okay she's like the captain of the quiz bowl team but also like really cool and rich yeah <laughs> i, I want to bring something up though about liz which i think is maybe one of my favorite parts of the movie it completely floored me the first time and even re-watching it this time i still think it's really well done but in the original comics there's a character named liz allen and so she's kind of like the girl that Peter initially has a crush on in high school, but she's like hands out with Flash and stuff. And so the movie, I think, at least for the comic book people, encourages you to think of Liz as Liz Allen. And at the very least, doesn't drop any hints about who her dad is so that when Peter goes to the house to pick her up and Michael Keaton answers the door, that's a hell of a great twist, I thought. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 I would. I. Actually, didn't see that coming somehow. That yeah, was, like legit, you know. the first time in theaters, I did not see that coming. And even this time, I'm like, that's just, I felt like that was really well handled. How was the reaction in the theaters? Uh, I think a lot of gasps. I was going to say, because, like, Actually, that's yeah. that's how I reacted when I saw when that came up and he answers the door. Literally, there were like three or four different things that were running through my mind, like, okay, like, did did Michael Keaton's character like somehow like get him to go there? You know, is this just a big like setup? Like I, I couldn't like, I was just like, this is amazing. I actually wasn't expecting that either. You get, you know, a good 
five or six minutes, I think, before he's given the opportunity to figure out who Peter Parker is. She does see him as like, oh, yeah, just like a dad who's a little bit overprotective, but really cares about his family. That's something that felt almost like it was missing up to this point where he talks about his family and like how much he cares or his crew, but you don't really yeah. see it until this point. I also he like how... it by <laughs> threatening a high schooler with a gun. Well, yeah, minutes later. I also, <laughs> I also like how uh, when the vulture like really figures it out, the light from the traffic light shines green on his face. <laughs> I thought that was a nice touch. He's like, oh, now he's the vulture. But maybe we should talk about how funny this movie is, though. We should, because it is quite funny. Yeah, sometimes I felt like it was an action movie just getting in the way of my, like, teen high school comedy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that the, vibe, uh, yeah. <laughs> the director, John Watts, who I believe at one point worked on the Onion TV stuff, but he said they were kind of consciously going for, like, a John Hughes vibe. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you could definitely... Uh, that. All of the soundtracks like 80s music, or at least the big, big drops are. And the very direct Ferris Bueller reference, if you were going (laughs) to miss it, they're like, no, here's the scene, which you can see in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Not really in the background. No, no, yeah. It's in the foreground, yeah. That's right. Where he's running through the backyards, and then it cuts to Ferris running through the backyards. Like they're watching the movie on a screen in their backyard. Oh, wow. I completely missed that. <laughs> yeah, it's like a couple seconds. It's not on that long, but yeah. even more than an 80s comedy, it almost feels more. I mean, it seems to have a lot in common with like more recent comedies, too, like something like a super bad or, you know, where every single like random character that comes on the screen for two seconds might get a joke or something that could yeah. have been, you know, could have been um, ad libbed at the time and they'll leave it in and. Like, the jokes can come from just about anywhere, yeah. That's probably because people like Judd Apatow are probably influenced by this movie and, you know, similar things. I wouldn't be shocked. By Spider-Man so, Homecoming. <laughs> one, uh, yeah. one character one character I really enjoyed was, like, the gym teacher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Hannibal uh, Burris. Hannibal, yeah. Hannibal oh. Burris. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> just, like, how funny. <laughs> like, like, that, like, Captain America, that's, that's my friend. He is kind of a war criminal now, right? Oh man, I laughed out loud. At That's that what I was joke. trying to get yeah. to right there. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, anyway, but he's like, but this is what we got to, you know, this is the curriculum. Like, <laughs> 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 and then I love that he's the like the detention, uh, like the is the in school suspension teacher, and then it's like, all right, let's watch this video of Captain America. <laughs> 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 so you've done something bad. We all think that. We all. Have have in our brain <laughs> <laughs> the kid just runs out and he's like i what am i supposed to do <laughs> I, it's just it's funny how accurate it is <laughs> <laughs> also got martin star as the uh quiz bowl coach does a good uh, job yeah. yeah he's good yeah. yeah donald glover who else marissa tomei we haven't talked about aunt may yeah, right marissa tomei yeah these movies get further and further away from the stereotypical grandmotherly sort of figure of Aunt May. Yeah, they leaned they leaned into <laughs> it even harder than in the Civil War. Yeah. I thought her getting flirted with at the restaurant was going to come up again later, but nope. <laughs> just just for world building, just for flavor. Yeah. 
<laughs> character building. Whenever you take Aunt May out to a restaurant, she's going to get hit on. <laughs> it's something Peter has to deal with. <laughs> Knowing that she's an uh, uh, elf? Alf? 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 Willie. Oh, so an alf I'd like to <laughs> be friends with. <laughs> and then obviously the big thing we haven't talked about yet is Tony Stark himself in this movie. We've talked about it. Yeah. Well, we mentioned it in passing as part of Doug's crazy land wander, but maybe we should actually talk about like Tony Stark in the movie. Like, how did people think that that was handled? Because I know there were some complaints. I don't know how serious they were that uh, it, giving Pierce all like the Tony Stark tech and stuff kind of took away some of his agency, I guess. I wonder if people had thoughts about that. But isn't that the thing? Like, he's supposed to learn not to use it? I mean, they get to that at the end. I just don't yeah. think it's a great arg- argument he because gets of that. He his agency back by hacking the suit, taking off the training wheels and all that. Well, I think he gets his agency back by using his old suit. Right. And going in, even though, you know, he could very well get killed because he doesn't have all the fancy gadgets and stuff anymore. Which I thought I'd yeah, like really, that. Really, yeah. that was his that was his great power, great responsibility moment was the uh if you If you're nothing without the suit, then maybe you shouldn't have it. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And that was fun too. It's you have the reverse situation as all the other movies where now he's gotta go put on the old suit again. <laughs> the old crappy looking suit and go fight in that instead of just ditching yeah. it. Yeah, I appreciated that they brought Tony Stark in just to it's sort of so first of all he kind of explicitly ties the spider-man movies in with the mcu more than just like oh yeah this is an mcu movie just trust us because spider-man's in our other movies right it's like actual glowy thing right it's like actually like tony stark's like here's and they actually build on some of the stuff in civil war that you know they didn't necessarily have to right i don't know that there were lots of people who were like wondering what how the avengers treated spider-man afterwards right or you know if they ignored him or if they made him a part of the team or whatever but i think this does a good job of like dealing with that and so and i think tom holland and robert downey jr have a pretty good rapport with each other so i think that helps sells that relationship and makes it like um makes it feel more impactful you have this back and forth between them where peter parker doesn't know like he doesn't know quite how to like fully utilize his powers and he's just trying to figure it out. Like he doesn't know whether he wants to, he doesn't think he's supposed to reveal himself the sort of usual back and forth that he has. And Tony's trying to help him, but he doesn't know what to do either. Even brings it up is like, I didn't really have a good dad to show him how to be a dad, which is what he's trying to do here. So yeah, I think like the whole situation is kind of not great to begin with. Like, should Tony have given him the suit? Like he's saying, you shouldn't use this. You shouldn't have the suit to begin with, but he's the one who gave it to him. And he's just kind of trying to figure out some advice that's actually worthwhile. And I think he stumbles on it, but the movie doesn't tell you like, Oh, Tony knew what he was doing the whole time. I think it's actually pretty clear that it, I mean, like I, I think it establishes that Tony didn't know what he exactly. was doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Out. yeah. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense because Tony's, kind of taking on like the more like fatherly role you know what i mean so he's learning how to be a quote-unquote like parent almost you know what i mean so it's just like trial and error like well maybe this works and maybe that does (laughs) yeah 
I mean, and that's like super evidenced by like at the end where he's like, is this a test? He's like, yeah, you passed. And that's like, I got a whole bunch of people over here, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, but he's still proud of them. You know, like I thought that was kind of an interesting way to end everything. And I think the other thing we've sort of talked about, but maybe just worth making explicit is just that Ned finds out Peter is Spider-Man pretty early on in the movie. Which is a bit of yeah. departure from like the other Spider-Man movies where he can never tell anyone his identity, at least for like a while. Right. But it's it not only does it give Peter someone to give exposition to, but it also makes him feel less isolated, I guess. Yeah. Like it makes it a lot more of a lighthearted movie because he's not like alone with his burden. Yeah, he doesn't have to brood all the time. <laughs> but I yeah. will say Ned was kind of annoying. <laughs> Tell everybody, just come on, let's go. Like you gotta like just asking all these questions, like, oh my god, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I felt bad for for Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, the the real real Death Star Lego set. But How just, many pieces? But think for a minute, like someone's job on set was to put that together probably multiple times. <laughs> that was somebody's kid's job from the set <laughs> to put that together or multiple yeah. or maybe them for fun here. You can have this. Just put it together. It, having put together like thousand piece Lego sets that take you like multiple hours. That's a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, I can really see it being like some, you know, someone just hands it to like a production assistant at like 6 p.m. and is like, have this done by morning. <laughs> They're just like <laughs> up all night on their card table. <laughs> like, Especially if they mess up the take and they have to do it again, which means they have to put it back together. <laughs> you know how like when you put Legos together, you got to kind of press them together to get a solid joint. I'm wondering if they had to purposefully not do that and make to make the whole thing fragile so that, you know, when he oh, dropped it, it would fall apart. Get a good, good shatter. Yeah. Like, like that like had to be points, really like hard. a controlled demolition, like loose, you know, loosen a few bricks here and there. Yeah. The That'd be very time consuming to test. <laughs> That's why the Lego budget was so, so large on this movie. <laughs> In labor alone. <laughs> <laughs> Two million dollars just on Lego production design. So are there any uh, particular moments you enjoyed that we haven't discussed yet? I liked it when Peter got to be a kid for a while. I was like, this is the heartwarming non-Spider-Man high school movie I've been waiting for. <laughs> any time with Zant, you know, and his friends. One of the best scenes we've seen in a Spider-Man movie where he gets to choose, like, does he want to be Spider-Man or does he want to be a kid? Is like, they're just going to go down to the pool, you know, because they're all like kids in a hotel. And they're like, oh, we're going to sneak down to the pool. You better come with us. And, like him having to make that decision, like, made me really sad. Yeah. I'm like, there, yeah, there's a lot it's of like a real thing you would do. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I definitely agree. Sorry, I can't go to the pool with you. I have to ruin your father's business. <laughs> so... I really enjoyed the scene where Spider-Man and the Vulture are in the car together. And, uh, you know, the Vulture points, a you know, I don't know if he points the gun at him, but more just in his general direction. Not because of the gun, but because Michael Keaton's smile through that whole scene is just 
perfect. It's such a good scene. That was where I really was like, man, like this guy's such a good actor. Like his his range is just so so incredible. And and I think Tom Holland does a really good job of like really being just captivated by just the presence of the vulture because he's like i know i know something and i literally can't take my eyes off of him like i'm supposed to be taking pictures with my (laughs) this person that i really like you know that's like extremely important to her and i cannot stop yeah the word is date i don't know if they were dating well it was the date he did at one point didn't he he to himself called her his girlfriend did he? he okay, did. Yeah, I and I, he was, did. I was like, and I was, that's a bit presumptuous. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I thought energy. <laughs> For me, it's just all the ancillary characters, you know, like the Hannibal Burris or like Donald Glover does a good job here too. I didn't know that he was in this, and so I was very happy to see him. I'm like, hey, there he is. Because there was that whole uh, push, I think, just I think on Twitter or wherever to try to get him to be Spider Man at some point. And uh, so it's kind of fun yeah. to see him in this and to get a little bit of role and then to see him come back again and get, you know, another funny scene. I got ice cream and <laughs> I've got ice cream in the trunk. <laughs> Donald Glover uh, was at one point the Internet's choice to play Miles Morales. Oh, OK. Who's the the other Spider-Man, the not Peter Parker. Sorry, it- the other Spider-Man that people generally know about who's not yeah. Peter Parker. All right. Doug is satisfied. I- I thought, I thought, um, I thought that you you said uh, Hannibal Burris was. Supposed oh, to be no. I was like, oh man, <laughs> that'd be a long movie. <laughs> uh, I just had a couple things that I want to mention, just because no one's really mentioned them yet, or not directly. I like the initial version where uh, Spider-Man gets rescued by Iron Man, but it turns out that it's on remote control and he's actually in India somewhere. Like I like that scene, but then I like the payoff after the ferry when Iron Man comes to him and Peter's like, you're not even here anyway. And then he steps out of the suit. Like I actually thought that was a really like nice touch. Like, I thought that was handled pretty well. Um, obviously the Washington monument scene, regardless of whose fault anything is right. But just like as an action set piece, I thought that was really well handled. And then obviously the, the most important thing that we have to discuss that we haven't discussed yet is so who here has seen Star Trek for the voyage home? I, yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, that's one of the ones where they go to San Francisco, right? Yep. No, Adam, if you're waiting for me to respond, <laughs> if I have, I don't remember it. I definitely showed it to you. You piece of <laughs> me. <laughs> I think it's Adam's favorite one, so... Uh, I don't know if that's true, but it's definitely up there. But there's a moment in the past where they're on a bus in San Francisco, and there's this punk rocker who's listening to this punk song really loud, and it's called, like, I Hate You. And Kirk and Spock ask him to turn the music down, and he gives them the finger and turns it up, and so Spock reaches over and Vulcan nerve pinches him. And it, he passes out and turns off the boombox as he falls. Okay, so that guy is played by Kirk Thatcher, who was one of the associate producers on Star Trek IV, and actually wrote the song in question. Well, that character shows up in this movie. If you remember the part where 
as part of the montage and there's the guy that yells at him do a flip on when he's on the roof and standing oh, next yeah. to him is a guy with long white hair holding a boom box that's meant to be the same character it's kirk thatcher they brought him out special just to do this <laughs> supposedly because kevin feige really likes star trek 4 and he thought it'd be a fun idea <laughs> so obviously this means that the mcu universe you know the marvel universe and the star trek universe are the same universe and you know we're gonna spread this all out and get into the real you know details just exactly like you're not actually supposed to do with these sorts of things <laughs> we're gonna gonna mash them together uh yeah, we're going to ruin both of them. So yes. now I just wanted to flag that that happened because I was watching the credits and happened to see he's so in Star Trek four, he's credited as punk on bus. And in this, it was punk on street, <laughs> Kirk Thatcher. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and like looked it up. And sure enough, there's a Star Trek dot com article talking about it that we'll link to in the blog. And yep, now, you know, the rest of the story. <laughs> So overall, what'd you think of this movie? Would you meekly go along with what the government says and uh, go into debt and foreclosure and probably that's it for you? Or would you defy the government and sell off technology so that you become uh, immensely wealthy? That's a good pro-con situation, right? <laughs> I'm just impressed he could launder all that money. <laughs> He's a good businessman if you just give him the chance. I guess I'm just asking, how many Lego Death Stars out of 10 would you give this movie? So this is a fun movie. It's a funny movie. It's maybe the funniest of the movies we've watched so far. And I think it's even funnier than Ant-Man. And it's just because I keep on squeezing in all of the jokes. Like anytime there's a little dead space or like as a button for a scene, they'll they'll put something funny in. All the decisions they were making we're going towards making this a lighter movie than a lot of like most of the stuff we've seen, but even most of the Spider-Man movies, which all had their fun moments, but this one's really leaning into it. I like Tom Holland. I liked Michael Keaton a lot in this. I think he did a great job. I don't think that I agree that he's like the greatest villain that we've had so far. I think I really <laughs> like the idea of his character, but when it came to actually showing like, oh, does he really care about his family? Or does he really care about the crew he works with? Or does he believe any of this? I mean, we, we just don't see a lot of that. For most of the movie, we don't get a chance to see what he's like beyond just shady dealings and making illegal technology. So you want more movie? I actually would like more movie with Michael Keaton. I would have liked to see him be a little bit more sympathetic, even. Like, he's set up. It's like, oh, shouldn't he be sympathetic because of this? And he just comes across to me most of the time like, no, he's kind of, like, horrible. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It I still pretty, like it. It was pretty crummy of him to kill Logan Marshall Green. I'll agree. <laughs> yeah, and Tom Hardy, too. Yeah. <laughs> a twofer. Dang it. <laughs> uh, looking back at my old ratings, I'd probably give this an 8.5 lego death stars out of 10 half is the half that breaks off when you drop it yeah uh i don't have a whole lot to say other than what we've already said quite liked the movie i liked the the funny tone i really just thought great great casting great acting from just about everybody really i think in in a way it was such a fun movie sometimes that you know like i said i do i did feel like sometimes it was an action movie kind of trampling on my high school comedy you know but overall i think it was pretty well done 
don't know, thinking about the villain, uh, Michael Keaton, sometimes I found him a little, like, for a while I was like, oh, he's too sympathetic. Like, let's see him do something, like, really bad. And he eventually does do that. Right now, like, for a while I was like, this is Spider-Man causing chaos, but that's kind of the point, because he's a kid. And that's Um, always also just, like, an underlying theme of Spider-Man in general, right? It's like, does it cause more hurt than help, that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, and I think in, in the end that kind of, they did a good job in showing that i think i'm i think i'm gonna also go with an 8.5 death stars that uh, last one production assistant couldn't get through yeah <laughs> they they were they, they were like they gave they gave them 10 boxes of death stars and said finish these all by morning Jeez. yeah i know i really like this movie i liked it a lot when i saw it in theaters and watching it on blu-ray probably going before i rewatched it um, the other day, I probably would have been like, yeah, probably probably would have been similar to you guys, like 8, 8.5, somewhere in there. That probably would have been my guess. And I was just kind of watching it, and I was continually struck by just, like, how good a movie it was. Like, there never really felt like anything that was too much out of place or that felt inconsistent or anything like that. It's got some cool action set pieces. It's got some great, like, chemistry with all the characters and stuff. Like Charlie was saying, lots of the secondary, smaller characters have, like, great stuff. Like, yeah, I guess we didn't even talk about, like, the uh, Betty Brant and the other guy doing, like, the cheesy, like, news reports. Like, just completely just, like, flat and, like, monotone almost. <laughs> like, like that stuff I guess I didn't really realize that was Betty Brant. <laughs> and, oh, my God. That, like, legit took me back to DeWitt High School. <laughs> right. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Those video announcements. Yeah. So like my it just felt like my my uh, feelings for the movie just kept going up and up and up as like I rewatched it. And it's almost to the point like where it feels it's like I don't think it's a 10, but I can't actually tell you why it's not a 10. Yeah. So I'm I'm not going to give it a 10, but I am going to give it nine and a half out of 10. So the PAs almost made it through all 10 Death Stars. <laughs> fell at the final hurdle there <laughs> they were all working through the night <laughs> yeah but i just think it's really well done it's pitched just right it's it's a fun movie to watch and i like rewatching it yeah i uh i wonder if i was like in the similar boat as you like if i had seen this prior and then a rewatch if i would have liked it more because I really think this is, you know, it's well done, it's well cast. And I and I think it's really funny and I found it just extremely entertaining and I thought that there was good balance between a lot of the action and and kind of just like developing the story. I'm going to give it an 8 and I think I'm kind of like with you Adam, like I don't really know why it's not a 9 or even higher for me or even like 8.5 but just Eight for my just that that initial watch I think is is where I'm I'm headed. So eight uh, Lego Death Stars for me on par with the first Andrew Garfield Spider Man. Yeah, no, that's what I'm going with. Cool. That was probably more because of Andrew Garfield. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel rather ambivalent about this movie in terms of ratings because on the one hand I'm mostly agree with adam that yeah it's really fun and well written and very well cast and acted 
my only complaints are um, we didn't really get into it, but I think that uh, they used creative editing uh, maybe a bit too much for you know showing Spider-Man doing his thing. It was kind of like it kind of felt like something you would have seen in the Raimi films, but without the panache that Raimi brought to the screen. Pretty much the the action scenes had a lot of cuts. Yeah, it oh, wasn't yeah. like any wasn't anywhere near like Catwoman level, but it was <laughs> it was enough that it was noticeable. Um, hmm. I, although I I suppose it might be just that I you know I recently watched the uh, uh, few of the Zack Snyder DC movies and he's a big fan of tracking shots. The main thing which is what I you know talked about earlier, which is like the underlying themes the morals of this movie really are demonic like it's evil and it's kind of disturbing the extent to which they sort of like you don't necessarily notice that because you're too distracted by how much fun it is so i'm gonna have to give it eight lego death stars out of ten it's really fun (laughs) (laughs) i'm only human all right, then. Thanks, everyone, for joining us as we discussed Spider-Man Homecoming. Our next installment, the 59th installment, and the first one that resumes the inevitable march towards infinity. We got close, guys, but no, <laughs> they're going to gear it right back up. <laughs> but for our purposes, it'll be November 2017, four months in the future. We'll be talking about the MCU film Thor Ragnarok. So we hope you join us for that, and uh, and we hope you enjoy your uh, intervening couple weeks. I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. A special thanks again to our guests who have come home to the podcast. We've got Doug Gobeski. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to reveal the menace of Spider-Man to the people. Anytime. No, not anytime. (laughs) (laughs) This one time. Today only. (laughs) I don't want any 4 a.m. phone calls. (laughs) Doug calls Charlie. All right, can we we record tomorrow? <laughs> Charlie, I need I need, I need to tell you about Spider Man and how in uh, Far From Home he's still the villain. <laughs> Paul Wilcox. It was great. And Tony Huff. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, pithy outro. Thanks, everyone, for listening to our show. Make sure to check out our website, GobeskiWallsReport.com. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. Just follow us at GWReport. And we're on the Facebook as well, just like our page, the Gobeski Walls Report. I kind of forgot what was happening. <laughs> it's always so hard with the Twitter with, like, the at. Like, you don't have to say at, do you? I don't know. That's a question for the listeners to decide. I like Charlie's uh, shield theory because <laughs> it's it's come over into my my real life. How so? Someone was talking about shields the other day, and I immediately was like, "Nope, I hate all shields." And then I became Charlie. <laughs> what are you talking about? We we're talking about like heat shields and stuff. I was like, "Nope, they're all bad." <laughs> It was it was it was quite amazing. I was pretty happy with myself. <laughs>
<laughs> Especially because it just came out of left field for them. For them, yeah, exactly. Like they don't they don't understand. I've got so much material <laughs> <laughs> about shields, about shields in general, <laughs> and just a general disdain. So 